The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. What's going on, guys? This is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Peppy. I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, let's jump right into it. The West Virginia Mountaineers get a much-needed win over the TCU Horn Frogs, 29-17. to This is WVU's first road win since November 29, 2019, when they defeated, you guessed it, the TCU Horn Frogs. Neil Brown is now 3-0 versus TCU while at WVU. The win also snaps a seven-road game losing streak, but more importantly, it ends a three-game losing streak the Mountaineers were on. WVU is now three and four. It's not like TCU was some powerhouse this year, but that was a win WVU absolutely needed, and it was nice to get a convincing one for once. A bowl game is not a guarantee at this point. However, we still have hope, and that's all WVU fans, players, and coaches could ask for after a rough start to the season. What are your feelings on the game? I, I feel really good. I mean, I was um, expecting it to be a lot higher scoring than what it ended up being. Um, but, you know, the fact that our defense showed up and played well, and then our offense was able to put points on the board, at, at, albeit in the second or in the first half for the most part, um, definitely brought in some new, renewed hope for the season. Yeah. yeah, so a uh, lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. For the offense, the offense had a nice outing. Uh, There's certainly areas West Virginia still needs to work on. However, it was nice to see the offense control the clock and consistently run the ball. Um, the offense controlled the time of possession by a lot, by 11 minutes. It was 35 and a half minutes to 24 and a half minutes that we controlled the clock. And this is the first time the Mountaineers rushed for over 200 yards the entire season. They rushed for 229 yards. Um, West Virginia has only rushed over 100 yards three times this season, and they have won all three of those games. So it's no secret. If you can control the clock and effectively run the football, you have a chance to win any ball game. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it all ties into, like you said, with the way that the play calling was distributed. Um we ran the ball a lot more than we passed it. 41 carries versus 29 passes um, with a running back like Letty Brown. That's definitely more in the region where you need to be rather than what we've been traditionally, which is much more pass heavy. Um, some of that is also due to game flow. But, you know, when you're controlling the clock, like you said, and running the ball, um, things are going to end up, you know, more in your favor. I also like the way that the coaching handled the offensive play calling. Um, I remember, I think it was, um, early in the fourth, late in the third, where Deggie started looking a little shaky. He wasn't passing the ball very well. We were trying to go downfield a little bit too much. The very next series we came out and Deggie was throwing short passes again. We were running the ball more again. And I think it just goes to show the awareness of the coaching staff to make adjustments or in things that we haven't seen before, um, to go out there and, you know, not try to force Deggy to make plays all the time, go back to what we're good at and what's been efficient. And I feel like Deggy's been the most effective when he's been ha- making those quick reads. Um, it saves him from the pressure. 
it saves him from making a bad decision um, and not reading the field maybe necessarily as fast as other people do. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really like the, the flow that they got into. Um, we were moving the ball good. We didn't score over 30 points, which is one thing that I was kind of disappointed about. But overall, the, the play calling, I was super satisfied with. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I'm glad that we ran the ball more. I'm not sure if that was in the game plan just because, you know, everyone knows TCU is not good at stopping the run. So I'm not sure if we'll see that again this week. I hope we do. Um, but let's talk about Deggie's performance a little bit. He had some questionable passes, but um, he had a nice overall game. It, it looked great on the stat sheet. Um, of course, if you watched it, there was plays here and there where, um, you know, it could have been a better ball. Or I, I remember one play specifically where he threw it to Letty coming across the middle, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't even a completion. But right in front of Letty, I believe it was Ford Wheaton, was wide open. But, I mean... You know, he's not going to be perfect. Nobody is. Um, He showed that if you give him time in the pocket, he can move the football and have a good game. Still some concerns of our play in the red zone. Um, But the Mountaineers seem to settle for field goals a lot. Um, But at this point, I'm just happy WVU is putting up points. The the wide receivers were making great plays, whether it was downfield or over the middle in the intermediate routes. And what I liked a lot about the wide receivers was it was a – overall effort from everyone. Sean Ryan had 81 yards, Ford Wheaton had 65 yards, Wright had 59 yards, and even O'Laughlin was coming up with some big plays in key situations. So I like that the ball was being spread around and credit to the O-line for allowing those deep routes to develop. Um, That was a huge part of why the passing game was working. Yeah, definitely. I like the, you know, go back to kind of the offensive play calling um, thing. You know, with the passing, I like the variety that they mixed in there, too. Um, I've always joked during our podcast that, you know, we run slants and stops. Out of 29 passing attempts, only five of our targets or catches were slants or stops. So that's a huge improvement. Um, We actually had four of those, um, I guess you would call them Tavon Austin touch passes um, that he made famous. Um, We had a couple swing passes. We had three out routes. We actually had a completion to a double move, and I think that's the first time I've seen us run a double move to a completion. Um, it was an in and out. Um, so, you know, I, I like that we're trying new things, um, you know, and that, you know, that I think that makes Deggy a little less predictable and it makes it harder for the defense to kind of go in there and guess what he's doing, which makes it more effective. You know, if you're, you're having new other plays in there where he has a, a quick read where, you know, you're going to throw a quick out to Winston, Wright, Which they did a couple times today. Um, you know, it just makes it easier on the offense. It makes us more unpredictable and, you know, gets us more reliable yardage. Um, another thing that I liked is we had four passing plays over 20 yards. Um, that's 14% of all of our pass attempts. Um, that seems like a good percentage to me. I mean, if we can hit even two or three a game, that's a big deal. Um, and, you know, trusting Deggy to throw downfield occasionally, I think his deep ball's gotten better. Um, so, you know, keep that up. And then another thing that I noticed in the passing game is Bryce Ford Wheaton's yards after catch. Um, I said at the beginning of the season, I believe he's better as an intermediate or a short guy. He's big, he's strong, he's you know has some good physicals. So getting him in those short those um, screens and those stop routes and letting him fight afterwards, um, you know, I don't have the exact stack of of his yak, but I know he definitely had I would say at least twenty yards after the catch, um, which is great. Um, you know, having guys like him and Winston Wright being able to make plays off short passes, which Deggy is really efficient with is super helpful for this team. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Um, the the O line blocking is probably why we were finally starting to see you know double moves and uh, some of the deeper plays work. But I'm with you on even some of the shorter plays. I mean, those are plays we don't see WVU run a lot. And we even talked about it last week. Even with a bad offensive line, there's ways around that. I mean, Texas Tech's offense proves that almost every year. They never have a a, a great offensive line. But with their play calling, they they still find ways to get yards and, and put up points. And I saw that from WVU. I love that Sean Ryan stepped up and uh, really contributed. I, I hope that's something we see. Um, for the remainder of the season, because that's huge. Of course, we know Ford Wheaton can make plays. We know Wright can be very effective when you get him the ball in space. But if you throw in a deep threat like Sean Ryan, um, and of course, Esdale, who can have some good games here and there, we could have a pretty decent passing game down the road if we if we just consistently can block for whoever's playing quarterback. Um, I know O'Loughlin got banged up in that game, but um, I hope if if he plays Saturday, I hope they continually get him involved in the offense. He's got great hands, and um, he seems to come up big in, in you know key third down situations. Uh, let's talk about the run game a little bit. The run game finally had opportunities to make plays. Um, again, credit to the O-line. They did a nice job up front, and Letty did his thing. Thing. He's not going to break off a long touchdown very often, but he's going to consistently wear down the defense and keep drives alive. That's that's what Letty has done since he's been at WVU. So I'm glad we we finally um, had a good day by him. He looked phenomenal in the red zone too. You were talking about it a lot on Saturday. Um, that, that's what I loved most about um, Letty's game is that he was getting the ball a lot when we were getting inside the 20, and I I think that helped. Um, although we were still settling for field goals, the drives that we did finish off for touchdowns, Letty was a big reason um, because they were using them in that area. Credit to Letty Brown for getting out there on some of those jet sweeps too. He, he was <laughs> getting out there and blocking. I, I can think of at least two different jet sweeps where he got out there, made a nice block for his teammates and um, uh, uh, allowed those plays to work. Um, let's also give a shout out to Tony Mathis. He did a great job of spelling Letty Brown from time to time. Um, 12 carries, 48 yards. I hope we see him more Saturday. And and listening to the, the coaches conference today, it seems like we probably are going to see him out there more often. He has a nice spark when he runs. And I think it's good to give Letty a rest because it makes his carries um, more effective, I think, more explosive. Um so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I loved what I saw from the run game. It, it was a huge factor, and not only controlling clock, but that's what opened up the pass game as well. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I'm going to take this moment here to say that um, you're welcome, fans. I, I have a feeling that one of the offensive play callers are listening to our podcast because we had <laughs> 16 plays inside the 20, and 12 of them were rushes. Now, unfortunately, they haven't listened to us about playing uh, Garrett Green in the red zone yet, but we're getting there. We're running the ball in the red zone. Um, and after that first drive where Deggy threw two pass attempts in the red zone and we didn't, we had to settle for a field goal, we actually only passed the ball twice the entire game anytime we were inside the red zone. So 12 rushes, three score, rushing touchdowns inside the 20. That's great. That's what we need to be doing. Um, Letty just has a knack for finding a way, you know, just running in between the smallest of creases and getting in there and scoring. Um, I think, you know, in terms of outside of the 20 and just overall run game, a lot of what 
our success had to do with too is that it seemed like we were running a little bit more of a, a big on big um, power running style as opposed to zone. There were still some zones in there, but a lot more just getting the big guys on the defensive linemen, getting Letty to the second level and simplifying the running game. Um, we ran a lot of misdirections. Um, we had some plays where we were, we were leading with the tight end. Um, we had some more outside zone kind of stretch plays. Um, things that, you know, for, for a team that runs dive heavy, um, we still ran a lot, but we threw some new looks at TCU. And even though TCU isn't a good run defense, um, we tried new things that worked. So I'm hoping that rubs off for our next few games because you can't just run inside zone and dives and hope that you're going to have a, an effective running game. Um, so yeah. that was really exciting to me. Yeah, I noticed that too. We did run more stretch plays, which once again, we were calling for last week because even if they don't always work still, I mean, you're not being predictable. I mean, that's the biggest thing as an offensive coordinator. You don't want the defense to know what's coming before you even say hut. I like too that we went under center a lot more than we normally do. I, I think that um, played a big role in having the run game work because it, it changes the mentality a little bit when the, the offensive line is not already on their back heels um, and shotgun consistently. kind of has a run mentality when you do stuff like that. Um, I don't have a lot on um, Garrett Green, but I do want to just mention him briefly. He only played one drive. He he had um, that big run, the the biggest uh, play for West Virginia's offense all game. Um, I don't want to discredit Daigie. He had a phenomenal game. And, you know, overall, I'm, I'm not going to harp on the decision that Daigie played uh, you know, almost the entire game. But, I mean, the one drive Green was in there, he he broke off a nice run. Why wouldn't you at least give him one more drive? What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with Green, you know, not playing as much as I would want him to. Um, You know, again, I, I'm fine with, with Deggy since he was playing pretty well, playing him in between the 20s. But I'm still, you know, on the train that he needs to be playing, Green needs to be playing in the red zone every time we're in there. And, you know, that, you know, if you want to play green, the third drive of every game from here on out, that's fine. But you need to get him in the red zone because I think he gives you the best opportunity to score touchdowns. And as much as I love Casey Leg, um, I like touchdowns more. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, a perfect situation to see him come back in the game would have been that two point conversion they went for. Um, I would have liked to see green out there on situations like that but you already brought him up special shout out to Casey Lake not only does he have the perfect name for a kicker but he is 13 of 14 on the season including going three for four on Saturday which was huge since we won by 12 points getting those 12 from him um, and even one of those was 49 yards his only miss this season was a block so shout out to him for being Mr. Consistent on the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big Casey Leg fan. Um, I said he's the offensive player of the year this year for the team, and I stand by that comment. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing I want to touch on that I'm really happy with from the game is that our offense was pretty disciplined. We only had three penalties for 30 yards, um, which is a big deal. I mean, um, when, I, when we talk about TCU, their offense made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think they had five penalties on the game. All of them were – all but one were on first down. So – you can just see how much that can be disruptive to your offense. Um, and we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, and that's a big deal when you have an offense that's having a hard time scoring. 
Yeah, that's always big for a WVU team because it seems like we uh, we we back ourselves up a lot of the time. This is going to sound a little insulting, but it was almost like we were playing ourselves. Like I almost felt like what it what it feels like to be on the other side of watching a team implode. Like TCU was playing how we have a few times this year, just with the penalties and the turnovers. There was at one point in that game, I was I was literally sitting there going like, "This is." must this must be what it feels like to watch us play some weeks you know what i mean oh yeah 100 percent. i mean they they were definitely a little sloppy with it and they they made some weird timeouts especially on fourth down they like to call timeouts on fourth down tcu did and i, I still don't understand why i mean you're gonna punt the ball or you're gonna receive the punt how are you gonna mess that up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i remember distinctly uh uh patterson called a timeout and then they came out and punted it and it was like why didn't you just take a penalty? I mean, they were near midfield too. It wasn't like, you know, a penalty would have backed them up that much, but I don't know. So uh, let's talk about our defense a little bit. Can't say enough good things about the defense. They got TCU's offense off the field on third and fourth down, which, you know, that was something we were concerned about heading into the game. TCU went four for 12 on third down and one for three on fourth down. So big shout out to the defense. They also won the turnover battle three, nothing thanks to two interceptions and a recovered fumble. What did you see on defense? Um, So I, I like the result. I like the turnovers, but I'm actually not super high on the, the defensive performance. Ironically enough, I know we only let them held them to 17 points. This is a team that normally scores 36 points a game. But we did some things I was kind of concerned about. And, you know, the, the biggest thing is that we ran a lot of three-man boxes, which TCU ran the ball a lot against. Um, I wasn't super thrilled with the linebacker play. Um, and part of that might just be because we're only playing, you know, five guys in the box a lot. Um, and I feel like that's a good way to make our strongest asset, the defensive line, kind of ineffective. Um, you know, when you have three guys going up against five guys, that means two guys can be double teamed and then you're just le left with running backs who or linebackers who aren't exactly the fastest to react. Um, I feel like they're good blitzing linebackers, but when it comes to reading, reacting, they're a little slow, which led to some big chunk plays. Um, and then even five or six yard gains regularly on the running game. Um, and you touched on their third down numbers. And this is what I thought was interesting is that on third down, um, they averaged um where is it here so in the second half um alone they had 14 passes six uh completions we had two interceptions one sack they threw five incompletions and they were averaging six yard per play but on the 17 rushes in the second half they were they were averaging 6.7 yards per play so their running game was actually more effective which i thought was crazy um because you know the, the thing that was our saving grace is when we would get them in the third downs, we would make the stops, but on first and second down, they were gashing us. So um, I just thought that was something interesting to look at. Um, albeit we did get some turnovers that helped that out a lot, but when our, you know, run defense, which was so good for an early in the season started getting gashed. Um, I'm hoping that's something that we can fix. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our, our defense is that they've always been bend, but don't break. And um and that that's how they played. I, I don't have a lot of complaints. I mean, we allowed 17 points, but remember, seven of those was on the opening kickoff. So, that's true. yeah. And so overall, our defense gave up 10 points. They shut TCU's offense out in the second half. 
Um, and that's a team that was averaging over 30 points. So um, big day for them for sure. Some individual shout outs. Dante Stills had himself a nice game, four tackles. He had a nice sack on a stunt play. Um, Chandler Semedo was flying all around. He had nine tackles, which led the team. He had a nice stop on fourth down with about nine minutes left in the game. Um, so that was a huge play when he made that because TCU was around WVU's 40-yard line. Um, and I, I think we were only up two possessions at that point. So that was a big play. Um, and then our secondary really stepped up and had a nice day. Young guys, too. New guys. Sophomore Daryl Porter. Um, he had a nice interception breaking on the football mid-third mid quarter when WVU was only up three. And TCU was in scoring range. So that was a big play. Um, you know, he's been playing all year, but uh, he just looked really good out there being aggressive. I want to see more of that aggressiveness from our corners for the remainder of the season. Um, another special shout out, the guy everyone's talking about, Charles Woods. Nick Troy Fortune went down early in the game. I believe it was the second quarter with a leg injury. And transfer transfer Charles Wood steps in and has one of the best defensive games from a member of our secondary all season, coming up with a nice interception early in the fourth. Um, and then he returns it inside TCU's 20-yard line and helps the offense extend a late lead. And then he jumps on a fumble caused by Sean Mahomes, and uh, that was with about five minutes left in the game. So all those big turnovers is really what uh, sealed the deal for us. Oh, yeah. And I love the way our secondary played. And that was kind of, you know, what I was tying into with that three-man rush thing. You know, we were, especially in the second half, and I think this is just a Neil Brown thing where he likes to sit on two-score leads a lot, but we were only rushing three or four most of the time. We were, It was very rare when we were bringing an extra guy. But whenever Charles Woods came in, he seemed like, you know, it seemed like the pass defense really improved with him out there. Him and, you know, um, Porter were playing great. Adai made a great play in the end zone. Um, on the tip pass. Um, and I would like to see us get back to what we were doing, you know, a little bit last year and then two years ago where we were blitzing. We were, you know, mixing it up. We were playing, dropping occasionally, but then we were also bringing the pressure, especially on third downs. Um, because I think, you know, and maybe I'm wrong because it's only a one-game sample size, but I think, you know, if you have Woods and Porter out there and then you still have Jackie Matthews and Adai, um, you know, you can do some things. You can switch it up on defense. I feel like, there are times where we're playing a little bit too soft. Um, you know, we're relying on the the offense to kind of beat themselves. And there are going to be some teams that that's not going to work against. So getting back to blitzing a little bit more, helping out our defensive line and creating some havoc in the backfield would be awesome, especially with the promising showings that we see in last game. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charles Woods. I mean, he even played well. It's not that he just came up with a couple turnovers. I mean, it also seemed like he was just shutting down. Um, his side of the field, which was huge. Um, I, I know our, our buddy Grant from the Purple Theory podcast talked about how frustrating Duggan can be throwing downfield sometimes. I don't know if that contributed to it, but um, credit to the guys who made the plays. They were aggressive, and that's what caused those interceptions. So um, I hope we see more of that next week because, um, you know, Iowa State likes to run the ball a lot, but Purdy is definitely going to be looking to make plays. And um, if we can have good secondary play, we we might just have a chance to um, stick around in that game and maybe even pull off the upset. Yeah, and I don't think Duggan was bad. He really impressed me with some of the throws he was making. Um, you know, even the picks that he threw, those were just great plays by the defensive back. I mean, 
he was just trying to get the ball to his receiver to make a play. And that's what you want your quarterback to do. So um, if anything, I think our defense just made some really nice plays. Um, another thing that I wanted to point out is that, you know, I was really worried coming in um, against that uh, with that Quinton Johnston matchup. Um, he's one of those receivers that WVU just historically has struggled with a big, long, fast, strong hands receiver. He did have a good game, five catches for about 133 yards, but I feel like he could have done much, much worse. And we were playing physical with him, especially Porter. He was out there bodying him up. He wasn't shying down from contact and, you know, it led to some drops. It led to some incompletions. Um, and that's what you got to do. And it's encouraging to see someone so young like Porter able to go nose to nose with someone who has been having a terrific season um, and, you know, probably has some. NFL aspirations out there. Um, so, you know, even more kudos to Daryl Porter Jr. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. Great, great day by the defense. And we're going to need them for sure because um, our offense played well. But like you said, once again, we we didn't make it to 30 points. So we're going to need the defense to play well and for the remainder of the season if, if we want to pull off some upsets and maybe make it to a bowl game this year for sure. And another thing that I want to talk about too is uh, I kind of touched on it already with the three man boxes, but when, you know, when we're running the, the three man defensive line, um, I feel like we're not doing ourselves any favors because you know, we're kind of playing two bigger guys with stills and Mesador and then one smaller guy. Um, so whenever they are running the ball with those against those three man sets, they were getting, you know, those chunk plays, those five or six yard, seven yard carries pretty easily. Um, but whenever we put a fourth guy down on the defensive line and we move Stills and Mesador in kind of as defensive tackle-ish positions, that's when we were able to stop him for those two or three-yard gains. Um, so, you know, I would like to kind of see a little bit more of a four-man front or if they do play more three-man front, instead of having someone like Alston or um, Bartlett out there as a defensive end, putting someone in there like Jefferson or uh, Sean Martin, who actually I I'm, I'm getting on a, a sharp Sean Sean Martin um, hype train because he just bullies people out there. He played a snap. I forget what it was. Um, I think it was a stretch run play to the left where he just bullied the offensive tackle into the backfield and helped stretch the play out to the sideline. And every time I've seen him play, he just is bull rushing people at that defensive end position. He's only a freshman. I think he's from West Virginia too. So that's even more exciting, but he just looks like a physical beast. And in a couple of years, I could see him being just someone who wreaks havoc in the backfield. Yeah, it's definitely nice seeing some of these younger guys get playing time because it makes you excited for the future. I mean, they they could be uh, big players next year, maybe even the following year. Um, do you have anything else on the defense before we get into our special notes? No, that was about it. All right. Yeah, we just want to mention a couple things before we get to our good, our bad, and our wish. Um, Nick Troy Fortune, Mike O'Laughlin, we already discussed it. They went down with injuries on Saturday. Um, so did Mesador, but it seems like Mesador is going to play on uh, this upcoming Saturday because in the, the coaches' conference, they said he was practicing today. Um, it seemed like they said Fortune and O'Laughlin were going to be game-time decisions. Um, but everyone hopes that we see them out there because I mean, those, those are key players. We're, we're pretty, um, short staffed in the secondary. So even though, uh, Woods and, um, Porter had a good game against TCU, we definitely need all the bodies we can for our secondary and Nick Troy fortunes, a good player, Michael Laughlin. We definitely need him out there. Not only to get 
involved in the passing game again, but he's a good blocker. He's a big difference maker when we're running the football out there. Definitely. Um, another shout out I want to make um, back on the Casey Light topic is today. He was actually offered a full ride scholarship, which I didn't know he wasn't on one. So congrats to him. He's definitely deserving. Um, as we've already said, he's been tr- tremendous. Um, and then maybe on a little bit more of a sour note, we do have another transfer, Devell Washington. Um, he was a redshirt freshman linebacker. Um, he actually came onto the team as a wide receiver, but switched over to linebacker. So, um, you know, speculating a little bit here, but I have a feeling maybe he wants to transfer someplace so he can go back to play wide receiver somewhere else. The wide receiver room is pretty full here at WVU. I mean, we just talked about five guys during the offensive portion that it's hard to get them all on the field at the same time. Plus we have guys like Sam Brown and Caden Prather who aren't seeing the field at all, who are highly, you know, regarded young guys um, in the, in the recruiting circuit. So, um, you know, sad to see another guy leave, but you know, I can kind of understand this one. Yeah. Yeah. It makes complete sense. Wish him all the best. I hope he goes somewhere where he can play a lot, but uh, yeah, like you said, we're, we're pretty deep at wide receivers. So, you know, you're not going to be able to make everyone happy at that position. Uh, one more special note we wanted to say, just to acknowledge, I'm sure everyone knows, but Texas Tech fired Matt Wells um, this week, which was a little surprising. But if you remember, Grant from the Purple Theory podcast was talking about how frustrated people in Lubbock are with Matt Wells, which was a little surprising because he's been he was there, I should say. Um, for three years, the same amount of time Neil Brown's been here. And, um, you know, I'm in the group that I, I want Neil Brown to stick around another few years. Let's see if he can turn this around before we, um, start talking about the hot seat or anything like that. But it seems like Texas Tech pulled the trigger pretty quick. Um, which, you know, when you're in college, you need time to get your players in, to get your system in to work some kinks out. I'm shocked. I mean, like we said, their, their records uh, are pretty similar. Neil Brown and Matt Wells. I'm shocked that they pulled the trigger that quick. Yeah, me too. And you know, I, I'm on board with you with, I think new coaches, if you're not at, so to caveat, if you're not at Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, one of those blue blood schools, every coach should get five to six years to rebuild the program. Now, if you're one of those big money schools, then you can turn through coaches you know, like money. So, um, but, you know, if you're a school like Texas Tech or WVU or anyone else like that, you know, you want to find someone who can rebuild your program right. And it's hard to do that if you're cycling through coaches every three years. Um, They can't bring in a full recruiting class. They can't, you know, shuffle through coaches and figure things out. And, you know, it's a big step up, whether you're coming in as an off from an offensive coordinator role or a head coach at a smaller school, coaching at a, a power five school takes time. So, you know, I'm not sure what this is going to do to Texas Tech. Maybe they can, you know, hit a home run and find someone who's able to turn them around quickly. But um, I think the odds are more against them than than for them, even if Matt Wells wasn't the right guy. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's more to it. And maybe, um, you know, more information will be leaked about that situation. Maybe there was more going on behind the scenes that we're aware of. Um, Maybe people, fans down in Texas Tech know more than us since we're not, you know, listening to the news every day. But, um, you know, also maybe they just wanted to bring in a new young coach to build up a program as we're transitioning into, you know, uh, 
Texas and Oklahoma leaving. I'm not sure. It's a bit of a head scratcher, though, but we just wanted to acknowledge that in case someone didn't know. So let's get into the good, the bad, and the wish, what we hope will happen for this week. Um, for my good, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the offensive line. They've taken enough hate this year. Um, I mean, granted, it it was deserved for a lot of their performances, but let's give them credit where credit is due. They allowed deep passes to develop. Um, the line gave Daggy time to find open receivers. They did a nice job creating gaps for Letty Brown and Tony Mathis. Um, and because of their hard work, WV won the time of possession by 11 minutes. So I'm going to give them a shout out. The bad. A couple miscues. The opening kickoff is a real deflator to start a football game. But credit to the special teams for correcting their mistakes and um, having a nice game after that hiccup. Also, um, Sean Mahome, a six-year senior, I'm sorry, but you should not get confused or lost on a play down in the red zone like he did. Uh, We all make mistakes, and I'm sure he was kicking himself after that play, but nobody wants to see that from a guy who's a six-year senior. Um, And since we had such a good week, I mean, that's really the only negative things I could think to say my wish what I hope is I hope our offensive line can keep up the good work it changes our whole offense when the run game is effective it opens up the passing game when the line pass protects it gives those receivers time to run those deep routes and it's just a complete game changer and finally I just hope WVU can keep this up I know TCU wasn't a great defensive team but I want to see more games like the one we saw in Fort Worth Texas I like it. Um, so my good is going to be the running game. Um, I like the variety that we ran. I like the different concepts that we ran. I liked that we were trying new things and, um, you know, mixing in Tony Mathis and everything else. I, I think it's a recipe for success. I think you can build off of it. Um, it get, gets Jared Deggie more time, kind of like what you said with the offensive line. Um, but, you know, Letty Brown is our best offensive player. So, you know, continue to get him touches, especially in the red zone. Um, my bad, um, it's kind of, I'm going to say it's going to tie into my hope, but, um, my bad is going to be, I think, you know, the defensive play calling, um, it's not very aggressive. I, I think we could, I, I know we won, we forced some turnovers, but I would like to see a little bit more aggressiveness to, you know, stop the run. I think if TCU really tried it, if they wanted to run the ball every play, then they could have, you know, scored a lot more. <laughs> Uh, for whatever reason, we were really focused on taking away the big plays in the passing game um, because they are devastating there. But, um, you know, the, the running game is something where, you know, they're averaging about seven and a half yards a carry for the game, which is just insane. Um, and my hope is that we trust our secondary a little bit more. I think, you know, against a team like TCU, who does have some real weapons at the receiver position and, you know, can score effectively, especially through the air. Um they performed well. So I want to see them trust the secondary more, um, not try to be so conservative and play seven yards off the ball all the time. You know, let them play some man, let them play some press blitz a little bit more, you know, take a chance. Um, you know, I want to see some havoc in the backfield. I want to see more first force turnovers and those two normally come hand in hand. So, you know, you can force fumbles, you can force the quarterback to throw into coverage. And, um, you know, I want to see that brand of WVU defense again, because, I'm starting to get a little bit more confident in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like it, man, for sure. That was, a, that was a nice, smooth podcast. So let's wrap it up. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't 
um, listened to it yet. We we interviewed Derek Culver the other day. Um, so please check that out. He he was he was very open, very honest, very kind to us. And so um, please do it for Derek Culver because he gave us a fantastic interview. Please go check that out. We'll probably do a um, preview for the upcoming Iowa State game um, on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And for the Voice of Motown podcast, I'm Tyler Pepe. I'm Braden Cork, and thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, guys.